Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally, and with me is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. How's it going, Ian? Very well, Matt. We'll get the wheel spinning, but you've just told me, Matt, that you're uh, heading off for an exciting adventure to the farm today. Edinburgh City Farm. Gorgie Farm, it's called. Pet a goat, probably. Can't wait. Pet a goat, that's... (laughs) It sounds like innuendo for some other nefarious <laughs> activity, but I'll, I'll trust you will take care of the animals, Matt. Uh, and the topic for this episode... It's back to basics. I haven't had one of those in a while. I think since the tennis, yeah. I think since jo- John Major's 1997 election campaign, we haven't <laughs> had back to basics. <laughs> Back to basics. Yeah, that is an obscure political reference, (laughs) but I I like it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, I'll take this one on, Ian, and um, I want to go back to basics with the Highland Games. The Highland Games? Yes. It's a sport. It it feels, Matt, like the Highland Games is something that doesn't really happen, or that it's like um, something that they put on for American tourists Mm. And they, it's just a bit of a you know thing to have on a Scottish shortbread tin. Yeah, the myth. That's what it feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's actually there tossing a caber these days. Um, well, though you'd be surprised, Ian. It's uh, it's, it's petting still... a goat, tossing it's... a caber. That's it. I That's... mean, you're full of innuendo this morning. <laughs> it's, it's dreadful. No, the uh, yeah, the, the the Highland Games, Ian, are still very much alive. It's uh, you know still very much. A, f- a festival of athletic and sporting achievement, and and music as well, and dancing. And look, I, it's you probably wouldn't compare it to the Olympic Games, or you know, the, <laughs> no, the World Cup. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're right about that. No, probably not. Probably not. But look, these are these are old. They're older than the Olympic Games. Certainly, the modern Olympic Games. The origin of uh, of the Highland Games. And sports actually predates recorded history, which I've just, you know, straight off the bat, love that, <laughs> you know, predate recorded history. So the first historical reference to these types of um, events or, or Highland Games in Scotland was made during the uh, the time of King Malcolm III, um, who ruled from 1031 to 1093. So going back quite a while, I mean, the, probably the idea of it, though, there's suggestions might have come over from Ireland even um but certainly the the first first instance in Scotland is uh is sort of during king king malcolm the 3rd and basically the idea was he decided to have a race because he was looking to find the fastest runner to be his royal messenger so they had to run up this hill and i just there's something about the idea that the king organizes this competition and you basically get a job <laughs> i guess that's a result <laughs> and i suppose being the royal messenger is a good job, you know, if you're uh, if you're a serf or a peasant living up in Scotland. But at the same time, <laughs> you're just taken into servitude, basically, and it's like, yeah, you're fast. Now you're with me. <laughs> yeah, that's your reward for being quick. Yeah. It just imagine King. Like, first off, let's just address. We know this is a long, long time ago because you couldn't get away with being called Malcolm <laughs> and <laughs> being a king these days, and. Uh, it's a strange idea that this would be an interview process, you know, like King Malcolm's just going, all right, lads, I've had a look at your LinkedIn. <laughs> You'd all seem like you've hit the bill, but you need to run up this hill just run to check that it's, hill, uh, yeah. you know, and then we'll have a probation period. <laughs> so as you meet your KPIs, <laughs> <laughs> you can have the job. That'd be terrifying that to be the 
King's Messenger. Yeah. Goodness. Um, and, and so the games is like basically born out of that interview process. Pretty much, yeah. So there was there was sort of these events where, and obviously the big focus is on the sort of um, the trials for the the strong and the brave soldiers. Um, but it's not just that, you know, there's been musicians and dancers that are encouraged to sort of reveal their skills and talents, and then they'd be a credit to the clans that they were representing. So you'd have, you know, the chieftains coming down in the, in the clans, and, you know, there'd be musicians and dancers competing as well for sort of a bit of local pride. So it wasn't always just about, you know, who's the strongest or who's the fastest. Um, but yeah, it was competing in different things. But I guess the focus, certainly nowadays, I think, is, is largely on, uh, you know, the, the physical prowess of of the competitors, but the modern game, the modern Highland games, are sort of changed a bit. They're actually a bit of a, a Victorian event invention um, that was sort of developed after the Highland clearances. Because I guess without sort of getting too much into the into the uh, English Scottish history and and the challenges that <laughs> have existed then and and still now. No, but please do, Matt. <laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> but yeah, the tradi- the tradition of the games was stalled uh, following um, the, the Battle of, uh, of Bannockburn, uh, Bannockburn in 1314, the major Scottish victory against the English in that sort of first war of Scottish independence was when the uh, series Highland Games began uh, in 1314. So series is in five, um, and they're thought to be the oldest continuous Highland Games in Scotland. Um, but then during the Victorian era uh, queen victoria visited in 1838 and gave sort of the games royal support and that's been continuing since so even to this day you'll get sort of minor royals turning up at some of these highland games across scotland they reckon that that royalist approval if you like has been a massive factor in sort of growing the popularity of the games not just in scotland but probably more outside of scotland into into some of the places like america new zealand canada um where the the games will be copied and and replicated, and people will celebrate their Scottish heritage, uh, you know, in sort of all all parts of the world. I like the idea that the royals are still going just to check out who they can uh, take into servitude. <laughs> just yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> a, some some strong bloke getting taken out in a in a headlock by one of the minor royals Mm. (laughs) you come with me now uh that's you give me a lot of stick matt about uh me going back far into time (laughs) i think the yeah give me stick (laughs) of going back to like 1954 and you're talking about the 14th century (laughs) yeah well that's it but yeah i mean (laughs) yeah i mean i could talk about the 1746 prescription act which was passed as a deliberate deliberate attempt by the British to dismantle the Scottish Highland life, culture and society and really break up the clans. Um, but those laws famously, and as you'd know, uh, were repealed on the 1st of July 1782, um, which was obviously when the game could sort of get back into it. So, yeah, it's... Um, but you knew that, obviously. No, all, but this, that's an important point because you're saying there that there was, you know, the games was part of a symbolic clan activity for their cultural heritage and the, the the English were basically setting out to destroy that yeah. and and destroy the clan they're, system. The good like that the yeah, English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Famous famous good lads throughout history. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, you know, people is it uh I think it might be John Oliver who says, you know, 
people have the mistaken thing that English people are reserved. It's like we've invaded every country we've encountered. Yeah. It's, it's like it's just not reserved at the, at the, in the slightest. Um, so to, to have that level of uh, aggression towards Highland culture then kind of makes these games even more prominent, I suppose, because to cling on to them and to have them as a celebration of or almost defiance, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And I think that's, you know, as I said, the sea, these, there's over 100 Highland games in Scotland every year. That's worth mentioning. It's not like there is one Highland games. You know, there'll be hun- over 100 events or 100 um, locations hosting these things. And it's not like there's, there's one winner. You know, you could win the series games in, in, in five um, and then go and compete at a different one somewhere else. So, but yeah, as I said, that series one, it's been running every year um, since 13, 14, continuously. They kept it going during the Second World War as well and, and the First World War as sort of defiance, you know, against, uh, uh, you know, against the, the enemy, I guess, um, you know, and, and sort of saying, we're, we're going to continue with this. Um, and, and sadly, actually, uh, the first one that's been missed uh, was in 2020, uh, since 13, 14, due to the, the COVID pandemic, COVID-19 uh, pandemic so uh hopefully that'll be back um back for not too long but uh yeah so the, the, the history of the game sort of hasn't always always ran smooth but obviously as i said earlier as the scots have moved around the world sort of a version of the traditions and the culture that, that i guess bound them together is has gone there with them and is, is barely a sort of part of the world that doesn't have a caledonian society with ties uh, back to back to scotland and you know sort of still celebrating that i think the first uh, overseas um, Caledonian Society. It uh, was in uh, Waipu, New Zealand. Um, that was formed in 1871 to help settle new Scottish arrivals, and they still uh, celebrate the the games. Yeah, it's it, they're, they're all around the world now. I mean, the, as you mentioned at the beginning, there the Americans love it. Um, you know, the, there's games held in, in all over America. Uh, a big one um, in North Carolina uh, at Grandfather Mountain Highland Games. Uh, that has an attendance of about 30,000 every year. Um, wow. A big one in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. These will be bigger and they'll get bigger bigger attendances than, than any of the ones up in Scotland nowadays. And it's interesting that New Zealand was one of the forerunners for it being exported because New Zealanders still say we as uh, substitution for little oh, yes. which is a very Scottish uh, affectation so it, it shows you that it runs uh, runs fairly deep uh, it's also interesting as well that um, you've spoken about the history and the existence of the games but what actually do they do in these games uh, you know Tossin Akeba is probably yeah, the, so- the most popular or most widely renowned well known thing but what type of things are they doing? Well, the caber toss, yeah, it probably symbolises the Highland Games. So the caber toss, and I think nowadays they probably use sort of a um, maybe a telegraph pole, something like that. But basically, it's a long log that they stand upright, and it's um, hoisted by the competitor. So he, he sort of balances it vertically, holding you know small end up. So you know the the, the pole is vertical, you know, held uh, by the competitor's hands. Gen- yeah historically a man but obviously uh not exclusively these days they, they were a scare to uh balance things out uh, <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> they'll all be in their kilts but um yeah so then the, the competitor runs forward attempting to toss it in such a way that it turns over and um, so almost somersaults this this huge pole 
And the idea is to turn sort of end over end so that the upper end strikes the ground first. The the competition basically is it's it's sort of how closely it's it's really a strange way of scoring, but basically how how closely their throws approximate the ideal twelve o'clock toss of an imaginary clock. So how that would sort of you know the, the old hands on a clock would go round, you know, relative to the direction of the run. So really unusual scoring system. <laughs> that that is unusual because I don't think clocks were invented in the forties. Yeah, but that's uh, exactly. it's just. I'll just it's check my watch. <laughs> but um, it's digital. But it's basically trying to get it straight, isn't it? Like you yeah, can, it's not. Because my misconception was it's like how far you can no. toss the caber, but it, it's about like accuracy, isn't it, and control over the caber. Yeah, exactly. And they vary in length and weight and taper and, and balance and all of that affect sort of the difficulty of this successful toss. Um, so that that's probably the big the the big one that we all think of. But there's loads of others. Um, and again, there's not sort of one reg because there's so many of these games around Scotland and around the world. There's not sort of one regimented rules uh, or one sort of set of games that everybody does. Um, but a shot, the shot puts a favourite, so competitors just throw a large stone as as far as they can, um, and they can throw use a sort of any throwing technique they like, and that is really just about the distance. Um, there's the hammer throw as well, which is sort of similar to to the, the hammer you'd see in the uh, the modern Olympics. Um, you know, you've got a metal ball and they sort of whirl it around their head and, and throw that as, as far as they can. Um, there's a great game uh, called the weight throw, which is the, or the weight for distance. And they've got sort of a heavy one or a light one, uh, sorry, a heavy weight or a lightweight. And that's about throwing it either directly or, or using a chain to throw it. Um, so normally like a spinning technique might be, be sort of deployed for that. But Basically, a lot of these are just about throwing stuff as far <laughs> as you can. Um, there's another one, the weight over the bar. So rather than weight for distance, there's the weight over the bar, which involves, uh, surprisingly, them throwing a heavy object over <laughs> over a bar with just one hand. And every time uh, it's successful, they raise that bar a little bit higher. Um so yeah, there's one where they throw a bundle of sheaf just as you know as far as they can, or they might use a, a pitchfork to sort of uh, to to get rid of that. <laughs> then they might use the pitchfork for pole vaulting. Uh, so yeah, it's it, 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 these sort of events are just all a bit uh, you know varied. A, a really popular one and sort of I guess embraced almost universally would be the tug of war, um, and and you see that everywhere these days, don't you? It's sort of country fairs and weddings and, and all sorts um so that's where you'd have sort of normally teams of about eight uh holding a rope and just pulling the <laughs> rope and trying to yank <laughs> these guys uh over a line which is uh, which is always pretty interesting it's becoming clear in my mind matt that the uh, highland games and the development of the highland games is also coincided with the development and availability of whiskey <laughs> It, it seems well, that we, you know angry men throwing stuff is basically throwing stuff, pulling stuff, <laughs> yeah, pushing yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Um, and, but but as I said, it's not just about these things. It's about you know the dancing would be would be huge. Um, you know, sort of d- the dancers doing their Scottish uh, displays. There'd be sword dancers, obviously the, the sort of Highland fling, um, and they compete for titles these days. You know, in groups or sort of on their own. You know, they'll be wearing all of the colourful outfits. So 
I, I guess these days, you know, it's evolved into something which is just a, a real festival and celebration. And it's not just about, you know, feats of strength, but, you know, the dancing, the music. Um, and that, but that goes, that goes way back as well. I mean, back in the 70s, there was, uh, they, they, for a bit of a joke, really, they, um, they started doing haggis hurling. Um, but, uh, but that's now uh, actually sort of, a, there's a World Haggis Hurling Association, which is dedicated to the sport. So, um, and, and I think the world record <laughs> was set in uh, Mulgai Hurling Games in 2011. Uh, when a guy called Lorne Coltart hurled a haggis uh, 217 feet, which is <laughs> pretty far. <laughs> so yeah, so it's all pretty light-hearted, and uh, you know, I'm, alcohol, whiskey, probably quite often involved. When people are taking part in these games, is there a professional circuit? Is it just for fun? Is it just low? Generally. Is it just very parochial or is there a Highland Games pro circuit where, you know, people can travel around and earn a bit of money? No, definitely not. Although there are, um, as I said, there's a lot of these games over in America where, you know, collegiate sports is is huge. And, you know, I think people sort of aspiring athletes might go to these games as a, as a chance to, to try different sports or, you know, uh, get experience, you know, maybe want to be Olympians, um, those those kind of people where the, where the sports might cross over but basically yeah there's there's no pro circuit this is this is all uh, this is all very amateur and just really really just for the for the fun um and yeah you know they'll they'll do things like getting celebrities involved so there's a ceremonial role of the chieftain these days which is uh, sort of bestowed upon a member of the community or maybe back, you know back in the day a clan chief um who then sort of oversees the games and opens the games and You'll get people like Susan Boyle or Ewan McGregor or um, Ali McCoist, sort of, you know. Uh, what's what's uh, Judy, uh, what's her name? Judy uh, Murray. Judy Murray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, celebrities, <laughs> Scottish celebrities of, of that ilk uh, quite often get involved as well, just to give it a bit of razzmatazz, you know. And is it televised? It must be on STV in Scotland, maybe. So, so it must be in some format. Some of them would be now. Some of the larger ones, but you know, a lot of these now there would be, you know, it would be local media only. I think. Kind of like the uh, the last piece on the local news. Uh, it's 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 great to think of something that's lasted so long and is still kind of so culturally uh, identified. You know, so niche. It's like it's this. It's a bit like that with Aussie rules football. It's like because it hasn't gone international. Like, sure, people play Aussie rules in like South Africa. There's like little followings in in London as well and across Europe and America. But it's still so Australian, and the Highland Games are still so Scottish that it doesn't feel like they've been diluted. In fact, they've probably got more parochial more scottish as time's gone on would you say that's fair yeah i i look i'd say i'd say there's probably a bit of that obviously I, you know I, I wasn't there um but certainly i think nowadays you know there's a lot of i guess the celebration of scottish culture or scottish pride and you know things that probably weren't even important back in the day like you know the tartan for example the clan's tartan you know it, when you when you've got not nothing, you know you're not too bothered what colours the tartan 
hmm. is. Do you know what I mean? You'll you'll wear what's available if you're if you're freezing on a hill in Scotland. Um, so I think nowadays there's there's a misconception maybe that you would have to have to wear sort of a, a specific colour to demonstrate you're in a specific clan, which. You know, just thinking about that logically is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? Like, oh, I'll only wear, I'll only wear purple. I'd rather be cold. You know, it's nonsense. Um, and you know, whatever dyes are available in the season or whatever is obviously going to have a massive effect. But uh, you know, I think these days people will, you know, use it as an excuse to really dress up, get the tartan on, um, get the kilts out, or you know, the the bagpipes and and really sort of embrace everything Scottish. And obviously, a big part of that being been the whiskey as well of course and there is a kind of a real world effect with this i remember reading uh when i was researching about the the extent of the british empire uh that half of all the troops who were overseas maintaining the british empire's um hold on a quarter of the world's surface half of the those british troops were scottish which is uh, amazing when you think about proportionally like scotland is is and remains a small country relatively relatively small population would have been smaller back then but to have half of clearly the fiercest uh most resilient hardy people the games the highland games really kind of i mean maybe they're hardy because of the games maybe a chicken and egg but it does Mm. seem so in the scottish way of being scottish but i guess it's something that's been exported as you say but maybe like saint patrick's day or something you know a small nation with a a small festival that's celebrated and is a big deal to a lot of people you know all around the world probably especially in sort of america uh but you know you've got the highland games being celebrated in in china in brazil you know New Zealand, Canada, you know, all across Europe, it's it's everywhere, um, and I think, you know, pe- people want to celebrate their heritage or, you know, get involved with something a little bit different. Then absolutely fantastic, and uh, yeah, as I say, it's not just the athletic and the sporting competitions, but you know, the music, the dancing, the drinking, the food, it's it's all part of it. It's all it's all great fun. And is it seen in Scotland today as like something to be proud of? Because often these things like. I went to a beer festival yesterday, Matt, and there were there were Morris dancers there, and they're the reason I left England. <laughs> is uh, to see them in Australia was uh, horrifying. So, um, you know, and they're seen as like maybe quaint or quirky or a bit of a a joke, but you know, sometimes when these things can become a bit of a caricature, is yeah. are people proud of? The game is the sense in Scotland that people are proud of the games that it's it is a positive. Uh, I think I think for some people, yeah, massively positive. For others, yeah, there's probably a bit of eye rolling goes on. But the good thing about it is because it's not um, you know universal event on one date. You know these these are events that are small by their nature. You know none of I think I think the most popular uh, one might have three thousand people there a day. You know so you're not talking huge 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 numbers. You know, so if you're not interested, the great thing is you just don't have to get involved. It's not sort of rammed down your throat. You know, there's not billboards or adverts on TV or, <laughs> you know, it, it's not like trying to avoid maybe like the Football World Cup or something like that. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not on telly. It's not, it's not really talked about. So if you're not into it, 
You don't have to be. Okay, <laughs> so it's the... it's very much an opt-in and probably opt in fairly kind of want. grassroots kind of. Uh, you exactly. Um, but it, but it, who who wouldn't be interested in you know having some whiskey and throwing a telegraph pole <laughs> trying to get it to land in a certain way? It's probably <laughs> yeah. There's probably a lot. If of If you're that not into happens. that, you know. Question your priorities. I imagine there's a lot of that that happens on Scottish streets uh, outside of the organisation of uh, the the Highland Games. But um, <laughs> wasn't a rumour? Wasn't was it Pierre de Coubertin, the, the the founding father of the Olympic game, modern Olympics? Was it a rumour that he saw? He saw it in Paris. Yeah, he saw a version in in Paris and was sort of re inspired to. Is, or decided to take part of it from that, yeah. So was it part of some sort of international? It must have been an international show or exhibition or something. Maybe I'm not um, sure why, but it was in Paris allegedly. But I, I mean, and and so there's an argument there. I know De Coubertin also went to um, basically major sports days in in uh, England as well, and that kind of yeah. created a format of the modern Olympics, but. Highland Games obviously had a an influence. When you talk about a hammer throw as well and uh, shot put and things, Scotland <laughs> got a lot to answer for. That's it. Well, Matt, it seems a shame that Scotland have got this heritage that runs for before recorded history and then a Scotsman goes and invents the television, which means everybody stays indoors and doesn't do these wonderful things <laughs> like the Highland Games. So giveth with one hand and take it away with the other and great story matt so much fun i'd actually love to someday sit oh it would it, it take place over a weekend it's not a one day thing is it it's got to take place over some of them are just one day some of them are two three days again it depends on the numbers involved you 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 know each to their own i think there's not sort of a speci- specified format that has to be adhered to we've got to go matt um one day in the future um, yeah, and I'd love to sit and drink whiskey, and we can record a live episode of the Wheel of Sport. Oh, that, we'll uh, see how that went. Yeah, <laughs> and and just and the the joy I would have of a shouting abuse at a minor royal within earshot would be that would be so good. <laughs> um, so, so, thank you for listening to another episode of the Wheel of Sport, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. Review us wherever you get your podcasts, or pass on your favourite episode to a friend, share it using whatever means that you can. That would be very much appreciated. And yeah, leave a five-star review. Get in touch with us, Instagram or Twitter at The Wheel of Sport or send us an email, thewheelofsport at gmail.com. But in the meantime, Matt, we'll leave our listeners to ponder the Highland Games, eat shortbread, consume other Scottish products and we'll see you next time. Thanks ever so much. Yeah.